Hello. Welcome to the Daily Cron for Friday, May 31st, 2019. I'm Stephen Tolton, and next week is WWDC. That's Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference. It's the biggest week of the year for those of us that develop on the Apple platforms or on the Apple ecosystem. And Monday is the possibly the arguably the biggest day of that uh, whole week because that's when we get to see the keynote presentation. Uh and that's when we get we get to to see Apple present for the first time publicly the new goodies we're going to get in iOS 13 and macOS I think 10:15 and uh whatever tvOS is out now and watchOS and there's so many OSs. Um but it's it's going to be cool. Everybody watches it. In Philly Coca, we're going to have a viewing party at Indie Hall uh, during the event. You're free to come to that. If you want to learn more, you can go to phillycoca.org or find us on meetup.com. Uh, you can come come to that viewing. It's probably going to be like two hours. Usually that's about as long as the keynote goes. Later in the day, there's actually a kind of another developer, much more technical-focused type of keynote, which uh, we're not going to be watching at that event, but uh, I'll definitely be watching later in the day. But today, because we are on the eve of WWDC, I wanted to give, uh, you know, I wanted to go through my kind of wish list, my hot list for the keynote specifically, because everybody has their own list of of features and things they would like, and this is not an exhaustive list of of things either. It is just kind of uh, big ticket items that I hope Apple addresses at the keynote, and if they don't, then they're probably going to have to at some point. Some of these are much more likely than others. Uh, And to keep it short, I kept it to. Let me see. Like five or six things. And then they're not all equal length. So we're just going to go through them. They're in no particular order. But we're going to start with number one, Marzipan. I think that's the one that most developers are most excited to see. Marzipan is the code name for the multi-year project that Apple is undertaking of bringing iOS apps to the Mac platform. So with the last Mac OS release, we got some test apps, essentially, from Apple, like the Apple uh, News app, um, and they're pretty terrible, <laughs> pretty terrible, terrible apps because uh, iOS apps don't really fit on the Mac ecosystem. But uh, I in no way think that this is that is actually how these apps are going to go. But this is the year that Apple promised developers would have access to this uh, this SDK or whatever, however it's going to be packaged. So I'm really excited to see what that involves. It probably means you need like an iPad app. Um, there's been some experimentation done by developers online using what exists now. So I think after a year of development, it's going to be much more polished. I still don't think it's going to be there yet. Uh, I wonder if it's still going to be kind of a beta thing or if they're going to really allow you to submit apps this year using that service. I don't know. But uh, I'm sure there's still a lot more work to do, but this is the year we actually get to play with it, and that's going to be really cool. So I'm very excited for that. I'm hoping that that it's significantly more than what we've seen so far. Like, I hope that it takes into account the many, many ways that the user interfaces and the affordances between the platforms are very different and that that they've thought through at least some of the big picture uh, ideas about how do you adapt a an app that's designed for touch interface into an environment that's meant for mouse and keyboard uh, without having to basically rewrite the whole thing anyway. Because if you're going to do that, you might as well use AppKit, which is uh, undoubtedly going to be a richer uh, app development uh, framework for quite a while, I think, to come. Uh, and I hope that 
they touch on some of the topics the community has been worried about, like the old, uh, the older app kit developers or the more experienced app kit developers who, you know, expressing, I think, legitimate concerns about whether or not this could usher in um, like kind of a, an era of crappier Mac apps that don't really feel right, don't really fit in with a platform and don't have as much functionality or uh, invest in all the different uh, system integrations. So I really hope Apple shows something pretty robust, is what I'm saying, and a roadmap, and tells us more about the roadmap going forward. Because they did say it was a multi-year thing, so I don't even think this is the final year. I think this is at least a three- or four-year thing. So we'll see. That's like number one on my list. I think everybody's on that list. It's Marzipan year two. <clears throat> okay, so beyond that, uh, I think another thing on everybody's mind is Mac Pro details. I have no expectation that there's going to be a Mac Pro announcement like that you can buy. But the Mac Pro years ago now, several years ago, Apple promised that they were going to they were working on a brand new Mac Pro design. There was a lot of um, pushback, <laughs> I should say, about the fact that the, that the Mac Mac Pro has not been updated in many years now, and it just they finally had to essentially admit that the the old design, the trash can design, just doesn't work with today's environment. They were betting on, I think multiple video cards and that just didn't happen and they just they hit like i think thermal limits on that design so they couldn't really upgrade it the way they wanted to and it's just been languishing for years but but they're still selling it for a ton of money which i think is a little awful <laughs> i think you should at least give it a big discount apple it's it's not really the best machine anymore but anyway they came out with the iMac Pro which is an amazing pro machine but it doesn't fill the niche that a lot of developers and hardcore professional users want. They want a modular system. They want to be able to hook up their own peripherals and devices. And most importantly, they want to be able to upgrade the damn thing. And that is very important. And I, everyone's very curious if Apple will finally give us some concrete details about what they're going to do. And I really hope that it's not some incredibly weird proprietary thing that, that you have to buy like modules or something for it. I hope it's just give give us access to upgrade the computer. I mean, it's probably still going to be priced way outside my budget. But if you're going to give people a modular Mac, they need to be able to swap GPUs in there and upgrade the chips maybe. Like at the very least, you have to be able to do RAM and GPUs and processors, you know, uh, and then some expansion cards, I would think. Basically, they need to make a PC. Like they used to have a really good, I thought, design for this. They had the affectionately called called the cheese grater mac <laughs> mac and it was like this big silver tower but it was big and heavy and all but it was awesome because it had a it was well designed and it was clean had a clean layout with these like little compartments and like you could access all the parts and you could upgrade them you could upgrade you could access the motherboard and the cards that were in there and the drives and all that kind of stuff and today with the uh advancements in technology since then they can make a much smaller chassis that is uh, as accessible or better and I hope that's what they do, but I'm afraid they're going to do something weird and like give us some kind of strange stackable, you know, proprietary thing. I don't do that, Apple. Just give people something that they can swap components in and out of. And I know that's going to be a challenge for Apple because, uh, you know, they, they control the entire stack, the hardware and software stack. So it, they're not like Microsoft where they, they're supporting, you know, umpteen pieces of hardware and like third party drivers for everything. Um, you know, they, they support a lot of external stuff, but the internal components of the machines are very highly controlled. So I wonder how they're going to balance that out. Like if I, if they give me a machine that I can upgrade, 
I mean, how are they going to support all the different possible con different configurations? Or maybe because of the Pro Machine, they'll just be like, uh, you know, we'll give you some support, but not maybe all, or or maybe you know, or maybe they'll have a, a list of things that are supported. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do it. There's a lot of like questions about how they do it, and especially I think about the support issues. I haven't heard people talk about that, but Apple, uh, you know, when you when you buy into like a quote unquote Pro ecosystem, you expect a certain level of technical support. Uh, and I wonder how much Apple can provide or is willing to provide if it's truly a modular modular system where I can just put whatever cards I want in there. But we'll see. I'm very, very curious about the Mac Pro details. And along with that, the idea of a new display, because they did say they were going to go back into the display business. They got out of it, and then they allowed, I think, LG. Um, I think it was LG. They make these kind of crappy-looking monitors, but apparently pretty good. I know people have them, and they're they're nice. But everybody's hoping uh, Apple comes out with their own monitor again because they just built they built really amazing monitors and it'd be nice to see like a 6k monitor or something like that so hoping for some of the some hardware details if not actually being released because i don't expect that yet so that was my next my second thing third on my list here is siri intense for audio apps so basically i could ask overcast to play a particular podcast and not have not not be required to have already set up a shortcut for it because the the current limitation now with the Siri intents is you can you can have Overcast run, for instance, you can set up a shortcut to play a playlist or something, but you have to set up in advance. You can't just uh, like you can with Apple Music or with the podcast built in podcast app. You can't just say the name of a random podcast and have it work. Or if you use Spotify, you can't just use Spotify with uh, the voice the Siri voice activation. You know, and that's something we've been waiting for for years and years now, and it's kind of ridiculous. It's it's um it's one of the major sticking points that people point to when they are criticizing Apple for being kind of a little unfair with their competitors, which is my fourth point here. And I, this is a point where I don't think they're going to directly address this in the keynote, but they really do need to address this a little better than they have. They've, they've started addressing the issue of whether or not they are a competitive platform or not, but I think they need to do more. Uh, because actions speak louder than words. They put up a web page that, that tries to say there's all these apps on the App Store that compete with our built-in apps. And it's true, but it also is a little bit disingenuous because things like uh, like other podcast players and music players don't have full access to the same features that the built-in Apple products do. And you can't set them as defaults. So if Apple is super serious about making sure that they have a level, fair, competitive environment on their App Store, then they should announce support for things like setting the default apps for certain things like browser and music and mail so that you don't have to have this weird situation where even though there are a lot of competitors on there and I, I use third-party apps for these things but for like mail for instance the problem is it's still like mail is still the default app so there's lots of times where you're you're in it you're doing something in an application and you want to bring up you want to send an email or something like by default you know it's going to go to the mail app and if you don't have the mail app set up then it's not going to be very usable. And it's like, you shouldn't have to do that. I should be able to say, use Outlook or use Spark or something, and then have Spark take over in those uh, extension points. And that Apple doesn't do this is, uh, you know, I can't really say why there's been speculation or there was, there was an interview with, I think, the former person who ran the uh, app review division back in the old days and said, uh, you know, uh, originally and said that they were afraid that their competitors would like take over that whole area of business like you know facebook would take over the messenger messenger 
business or some third-party browser would come in. And, you know, it's like, I, I, I understand that, but you're a platform vendor. You need to, <laughs> you need to allow people to compete. Uh, I think competition is good. I actually think Apple's products, I think Safari is actually really good on iOS. Uh, it, on the iPad, it has some deficiencies, but it's really good on the phone. I think Mail app is actually quite good. It's not, uh, it's very, it's very good and easy to understand, like kind of a, it's actually a pretty full-featured Mail app, actually, with a, with a straightforward interface. I still find myself missing features in there when I'm using Outlook mostly now for, because uh, uh, it works better for my work account, but, you know, uh, I think Apple Music. I use Apple Music, and yeah, I use a Siri integration. But I used to be a big Spotify person. But I like Apple Music. I actually thought there was aspects of it I liked better in this design. So I think Apple can compete if they make this more level field. But beyond like the default apps issue, there's some bigger issues too, like the 30% cut that they take. I think it's long past time that they consider reducing that. Um, so they do reduce it to 15% if you have a renewing, a renewing subscription as part of your business model and you have a user that subscribes to your app and then they stick with you and renew after one year, then you then Apple's cut gets reduced to 15%, and that's great. That leads to developers being incentivized to make good apps, doing updates, keep customers, and then they get more of a cut after a year. But I think that should be expanded a bit more. Um, maybe just reduce the entire cut and I know that's probably the least likely thing to happen, but this 30% cut thing seems a little <laughs> a little high. It's it's a major barrier to fair competition in some areas. I think uh I think I've criticized Spotify's um whole deal they did a while back where they were they're calling out Apple for unfair practices. But they did have a point about this. Uh if Spotify or Netflix or Amazon Prime, if they want to uh use if they want to if they want to allow you to subscribe and manage your subscription to their services on Apple's platform, then they need to give Apple 30% cut. I mean, that's kind of a ridiculous amount of money for just letting someone sign up for Netflix, you know? But if they're not going to loosen that, then I think they should at least loosen the rules about requiring in-app purchases because it's kind of a, the two sides of the same coin here. Apple has a 30% cut, which is too much money. I think, I think you can legitimately argue that's too much in certain areas especially something like a streaming service, right? Where, you know, it's, that's a lot. <laughs> and, uh, but they don't allow you to link out to an alternative payment system or just send someone to the website to sign up for a service. It's really annoying and it makes the user experience way worse. If you try to buy like a Kindle book on the Amazon app, you can't do it. You have to kind of figure out that you have to go to the website and do it. They can't even, I think, directly send you. It's really obnoxious. And really, you want to be able to use it all within the app if possible. At the very minimum, they should be able to tell you to go somewhere else to sign up for stuff. They can't even really do that. It's it's a very cagey, they're very cagey about like what they'll allow you to say. And and I think it's absurd. If they're not gonna reduce the cut, uh, then they should relax the rules about at least linking out to the website for the service so you can sign up just to make things a little easier. Um so uh, all that stuff and more and there's more issues about whether Apple's uh has a fair competitor on their own platform. Uh, I think some of that criticism is fair and some of it's not as fair, but but there's definitely an issue that I think Apple needs to address. And they're being, it seems like very defensive now, but instead of being defensive about it, they should just like listen to people. And, and I think the platform would be healthier and more developers would be less fearful of, 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 um, you know, of having an issue on the platform if they would just open up and address some of these issues a little more head on. But I, 
I think that is the least likely thing that's going to be in the keynote. I don't think they're going to mention any of that stuff, but we'll see. That's that's there. That's like my super wild card. Okay, so I don't think that's going to happen. The other ones I actually think will happen, but not that one. So next one on my list I think actually will happen is iPad support for external drives. I'm pretty sure that leaked already. I talked about it rec- uh, in a previous episode. Uh, but I, I want to see anything that improves the iPad experience for quote-unquote pro users. So there's this constant back and forth like debate or uh, sometimes it's just like people seemingly screaming into the Twitter void about <laughs> about iPads versus Macs and whether you can use an iPad for professional use. And, and I think totally you can. It just def- depends on what kind of profession you're talking about. For me specifically, and I can only really talk about myself, uh, I think uh, I think you have to be specific about your use cases here. An iPad with Xcode would be mind-blowing. Uh, if they actually announced Xcode for an iPad Pro, that would probably be like the one more thing of the night. <laughs> I seriously doubt it's going to happen. But that would be awesome because that's a major missing piece there. You can't develop software for the iPad on the iPad, which is uh, extremely crippling for that platform. But uh, besides that, for me, I, I don't even use my iPad that much. I have an old iPad Air, and I haven't used it much in a long time because it it's just what I want to use it for is photography and maybe some video editing and audio editing stuff because I know people that do that, especially photography uh, for photo editing. But it needs to support external hard drives, especially for video, but even for photography. It needs to support them. It needs to have file management like for real file management in there and not just cloud services. And um, if you had those two, that would actually go a long way. And there's a, there's a, probably a long list of other features that's missing for, for quote-unquote pro users. But for me, for the photography space, uh, I, I mostly use my iPhone, but uh, when I am you know using an iOS device for something because I don't have a big iPad Pro, but an iPad Pro 12.9 or 11-inch would be way more uh, enticing to me if you know, they have the hard drive support for it and the workflow for doing photo editing. Cause you know, it's really nice to, when I have played around with someone else's iPad pro with a pencil and all and doing edits and messing around with photos or drawing or taking notes, you know, that kind of thing, like all the stuff you might want to do with a tablet. It's uh really cool. Uh, it's, it's just, uh, the workflow can be hampered by the lack of support for like external devices on that new USB-C port. But, you know, it's interesting. I think, uh, uh iPads, iPads, like, the iPad Pro, as it is even today, is very much what I wanted when I was in college. I remember being like, I wish I had like a computer I could just do all this stuff on, you know, like a tablet type deal. And uh, what I really wanted was what essentially like an 11-inch iPad Pro maybe, or maybe the 12.9, but either one of them. But because I've seen a lot of videos about college students talking about how they use their iPad Pro for everything. It's amazing. Uh, I think the the iPad is really a professional device. It just depends on what your definition of professional is. Uh, if you're a student, I think even the current iPad Pro or even the other iPads, but especially the Pro, they're amazing. You can take notes on them with like the Apple Pencil. Uh, you can organize all your notes very well. You can have your textbooks on there. You can um, you know access the media that your class requires on there. You can create multimedia projects on there. You know, um, you can record your lectures through the audio and there's an apps there's apps that do this where it'll record the audio and and sync it with you writing notes so you can play it back so you can see when you're writing notes and listen to the audio at the same time like you can do all kinds of stuff with an ipad it's amazing it's this thin little device you can carry around with you and uh, i know it's a, a real game changer especially the 12.9 inch has been a game changer for a lot of working musicians 
uh, that I know personally that got one of them, and they put all of their sheet music on there on the big the big screen is readable. Uh, and it's high res. They can even there's even software for you to edit and create music, and you know, um, and it understands the the symbols. So you can do that. You can also do recording on it. Uh, I, I think it's it's just there's a lot of cool use cases for iPads. It's just not for certain kinds of professions. I think that are it's still not there. Like especially software developers, you know. But uh, I think it's there for a lot of the stuff you would do. Like uh, you want to do for word processing. Sure. I mean, if a lot of students today are getting by on Chromebooks, there's no reason they couldn't use an iPad Pro and have a much better experience and have additional functionality they could never get on something like Chromebook. So I think it just all depends on what your definition of pro is. But anything that shows that Apple is serious about making the iPad a professional computing system on par with the Mac, you know, and and I think that's what it is. Like, I, I, I don't think one needs to replace the other or one is inherently better than the other. I think they both have their strengths and their weaknesses, but the iPad definitely has not felt like a, a completely like a pro product they're getting better but there's still some major deficiencies so the number one thing i think is external hard drives and and um, file management and that would actually go a long way to making it a much more attractive product for me personally for for photography workflows especially uh so i guess the last thing i'm on this list because i don't want to go for too long is the end of itunes so it's been rumored for a long long time now and maybe this is finally the year where iTunes uh, is end of life, and we get a new split up set of apps, like maybe one for podcasts, one for music. I don't know how that would work because iTunes is still so central for device management. Uh, there's still features in there that, um, you know, like like I still think you need to use iTunes if you want to if you want to copy something like ringtones that you got from somewhere else onto your phone. I don't think there's any way of doing that wirelessly. Like iTunes is is so full of weird features that are related to uh, you know managing your device when you plug it into your computer. You know, uh, so I don't know if they'll be able to completely get rid of it, but it'd be nice if they deprecated it or announced they were getting rid of it uh, and gave us something new, especially in music. I mean, the, the, the low-hanging fruit here is an Apple Music app. And my guess is that they would take a marzipan approach and take the Apple Music app from iOS. But it might not be the case. They might have a completely new app that they wrote with AppKit because of all of the things that it would have to do it's quite possible they would do that and then maybe the marzipan framework is not quite there yet or something that complicated so either way i am hoping that we'll see a new music app and some word about you know itunes going away i mean i remember when itunes first came out and it was an amazing application amazing and it did so much stuff i mean it still does stuff that i i like physically can't even do like uh it can burn cds <laughs> like i don't even have one of them that hasn't even been included in a mac in a long time a disc uh, player but i i remember man itunes was amazing and the library management tools there's still stuff in there that i think you can you, you can't do with the other apps like you could create uh i used to create these crazy playlists in there that had all these different rules about them like like things like how many times i played it or when i last played it so i had like a playlist of stuff i played a lot i played i haven't playlist of, of songs i hadn't heard in six months or something like that and then uh, i could play that when i wanted to refresh you know, my memory about stuff, or I wanted to, 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 I wanted to see, see music that I haven't seen in a long time. I had my own kind of automatically curated list of new music and old music and different genres mixed together. And 
it was very, very flexible and, and really cool. You can do all that. And I don't think you can do anywhere near that kind of um, nitty gritty uh, uh, detail on the music app on iOS or iPad. So uh, if you can, it's really hidden. I don't, <laughs> I don't know where it is, but it's, it would be cool if you could. If you have a new app that would do that. Uh, I'm, I'm afraid that more likely any new app is going to just not have a lot of those advanced features, uh, which is a real shame you know, because they're awesome. And the reason I don't use them anymore is because uh, iTunes is so cumbersome and I have an Apple Music subscription and I really want to apply some of, that, some of those like playlist features specifically to my Apple Music stuff, but you can't. So, you know, it makes it tough. Uh, so that's, that's my list here. There's a lot more stuff that I could, I could think of, but it's already gone long as it is. Uh, so, but I would love to hear from you. Uh, what is your... Uh, keynote or WWDC keynote wish list. Uh, there's only a couple days left before we all find out <laughs> whether we're right or wrong anyway, but you can tell me what, you, what you're hoping to see in the keynote. You can get a hold of me on Twitter at Stolton, S-T-O-L-T-O-N. Uh, you can also go to dailycrimepodcast.com, send me an email there through the contact form, or find links to the social media for myself and for like the podcast entity itself. And either way, you can get a message to me that way. Uh, so yeah, it'd be really cool to to hear from uh, you guys out there in the in the ether what you think uh, you want. And I asked I asked some people on my my Facebook uh, and non developers, you know, just like random people on my my friends list, who, who a lot of them are just like friends and family and neighbors and stuff. And I asked them what they want in their wish list for iOS 13. So slightly different, but similar. And so I was starting to get some interesting feedback about that. So. Even if you're not a developer, I'd love to hear what you're looking for too. That'd be cool. Uh, and that's really going to be it tonight. I am going to Jersey for the Girl Friday um, show. <laughs> well, she's o- opening. I talked about it on yesterday's uh, podcast, so go listen to that one. It's pretty short, but uh, tonight's going to be going to be fun. And then um, next week is WWDC staycation for me, so it'll be all about WWDC and beta bits and testing all the new stuff and watching videos and uh you know and trying to learn the new iOS 13 things and so that'll be a lot of fun and as i said earlier i think Philly Coke is doing a well Philly Coke is doing a viewing uh, event so we're at Indie Hall so we're going to all be there watching it and we're putting together a special WWC bingo <laughs> so uh, we were soliciting uh, our membership for ideas for the bingo card squares. So on Monday, probably that is what I'm going to be talking about. WWC, the keynote, and specifically, you can find out whether I win WWC bingo or not. <laughs> so that's that's going to be a fun time. So it's always exciting. It's always like the most exciting and also sometimes the most exhausting time of the year for me because depending on what they do with iOS 13, it may mean a whole lot of extra work for me. But it can also it also means new opportunities though. So uh, I'm hoping that I actually take advantage of them for once. <laughs> uh, but this is this is the time. This is the exciting time. It's like it's like Christmas, you know, when you're a kid, you're all anticipating all the new the new stuff you might get under the tree. You know, uh, that's what it's like for a developer. But it's more it's 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 like we're excited about what it is we can create that we couldn't create before, or in some cases how we can create the same thing but with a lot less work <laughs> both are very beneficial 
But anyway, so that's going to be it for this Daily Cron for Friday, May 31st, 2019. See you uh, next week. Later. Come on.